We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. It is a joy to hear the church sing. And uh, just a reminder, a year or so ago when we were all on lockdown, we were craving to hear the body of Christ sing, weren't we? Just a reminder, it's just beautiful to hear you. And uh, one tip, one uh, instruction from God's Word. In Ephesians it says uh, to... ...spirit to another. So worship, um, yes, it is to God, but when you come into the church, that you can hear one another sing, and uh, it is a, it's a beautiful thing to be thinking about the body of Christ. Uh, I just spent some time even just praying for the row that I was standing with. Uh, God moves in great ways when His church gathers in person uh, and prays together and sings together. And now, what we're about to do is we're about to go to God's Word together. And so, would you open your Bibles to uh, the book of Romans? And we are in chapter 11, verses 25 through 32. And before we do that, um, I would like to just share that yesterday was a beautiful day. Yesterday, uh, we... And uh, it was a great workshop. It was a workshop for makers, we say. And um, we had three tracks, a songwriting track, a creative writing track, and an art track. And um, there was over 10 people in each track taught by a few different teachers. So there was 35, 40 people uh, here yesterday from one to four. And really how we were talking about it was that it was a mobilization of makers. In that in June we're meeting, and in six months we are going to use what we just did um, for uh, displaying God's Word through art amongst our church. We're going to use it for, uh, for writing um, an Advent devotional to the YMCA and our church. So it's going to be an outreach. We're going to write a song together, and we together as a church are going to sing it. And I'm excited. This is like really, really exciting stuff where, man, I wish, I mean, there's like ages 10 to 72, I think. I wish as a 10-year-old I was encouraged to write and to, and, and to express what was in God's Word in a creative manner for someone else to read and to grow. So just think, you guys who are 10 years old over there, that God is going to use you in great ways um, come the month of December and even before then. So we're pretty excited for you. Well, um, are we there? Romans 11? Let's get started, okay? Two weeks ago, we asked the question, has God rejected Israel? And the answer was no. And then we asked last week, has God uprooted Israel? 
Has he um, totally just started afresh and said, ah, I'm just sick of this plan that I started in the Old Testament? Has he uprooted them? And the answer was no. And this week, we're going to see, but we're going to ask this question, does God have a real future for Israel? And finally, we're going to hear, not the negative, but we're going to hear yes. We're going to hear yes. So, the title of the sermon is, What is the Unfinished Mystery? What is the Unfinished Mystery? And there's two points that will guide our time together. It is, first one, the mystery of the gospel revealed, which is verses 25 through 29. And then point number two is the mercy of God revealed, verses 30 to 32. We only do that so that you kind of have a hook to hang your hat on, so you can think through the text. The goal is for not for you to ooh and ah or say, oh, Mike this or Mike that. He said this nice thing or he had a nice purple shirt on. But the goal would be for you to understand the text. And for you to be able to multiply its truths into a life of another person. Are you ready to take on that challenge? It's going to be awesome. Let's go for it. Point number one, the mystery of the gospel revealed. I'll read it for us. This is 25 through 29. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. All right, so let's start diving into the text together and, and looking for its meaning, okay? So when Paul says anything really in, in the New Testament, hey, I don't want you to be unaware. What he's saying is, hey, this is really important for you to know. Personal testimony. On Tuesday when I started studying this text, I kind of felt like, Phew, I don't feel like this is that important. I don't know, Lord. As a, as a pastor, there are some texts where I'm like, whoa, I can't wait to preach this one on Tuesday, right? And then there's some texts where like, Lord, what are you going to do with this scripture? Lord, I'm, I'm going to preach it. Would you? And interest in the Word of God even has worked in my life this week, and it's brought me to an exciting place. I'm so excited for you to hear this text. I firmly believe that God has these verses for this church this Sunday. When he says mystery, Paul uses that word all the time in the New Testament. Um, for instance, there's, there's one time uh, in Colossians where he says, the mystery that was hidden for ages and generations, but now is revealed to the saints. This mystery is not how we use the word mystery today. Like, like that girl is a mystery, right? Or, I don't know, it's so mysterious. You can't grab onto it. It's just like, it's just unknown. You can't ever know it. It's, 
nothing like that. Wait, ministry is something that has to be taught to you. It is something that is revealed. And that revelation is not mysterious. It's actually right here. It's written for you. What is the mystery that Paul is talking about in Romans 11? Two things. Number one, that there is a partial hardening of Israel. That's the first thing that he's talking about when he's talking about a mystery happening. And the second thing is that God still has a plan for Israel. First one, partial hardening of Israel. Second, God still has a plan. He has a future for Israel. And when Paul uses the word Israel here, he is meaning ethnic Israel. There are current Jews that are resistant to the gospel. And God is saying that there is a hardening that has taken place over ethnic Israel. A spiritual blindness that is unique to the Jews because of their continual rejection towards God. Alright, take a breather. That was a lot right there, okay? Um, over the past few weeks, we, maybe months or so, we've been studying Romans 9-11, through 11, and we've been using terms like Jews, because it's in there. We've been saying Gentiles. You guys know what Gentiles is by now? That's everyone else except Jews. So all people groups, all ethnicities besides the Jews. And let me just acknowledge this like cultural, unique moment that we're having right now. We're pretty sensitive towards race, aren't we? How many of you have kind of done one of these things, jittered a little bit when I've said Jews? Or, or pointed out that there's no yarmulkes being worn among us? That there's Gentiles here? And then I'm making distinctions because the Word of God is making distinctions. It's not exactly a comfortable thing right now in today's age, is it? Uh, just recently, uh, one of Dr. Seuss, his books was taken off the shelf because it was deemed uh, anti-Oriental. Uh, because there was a guy from China eating a bowl of rice um, using chopsticks. And so Dr. Seuss was all of a sudden like anti-Asian. And so I think it's worth just saying that as Paul is laying out what is happening and what will happen to certain ethnic groups, Paul is not racist. Okay? God is not racist. God is not anti-Semitic. Actually, God really loves people. He loves all people. And just to be specific, He loves all people groups. Like all ethnicities He created. He, he meant for them to happen. All languages and skin colors he delights in it. It's his creative way of displaying his glory. And as Christians, we should hear that and not shrink back and go, oh, I, I shouldn't ever 
use the word race or ethnicity or things because I don't want to like, I, don't, I just don't want to go there. Actually, our reaction to um, verbiage and language and discussions of ethnicity and race should be a response of excitement and worshipful obedience and missions. We should get like frothing at the mouth excited because we know what's going on with God towards Gentiles and towards Jews. Like that's, that's how he is working right now. Um, let me just share. Uh, Hannah and I, um, in preparation for the uh, Create Workshop, we've been listening to this writer's podcast together. Like, we'll go on jogs and we'll listen to it. It's not, like, we haven't been listening to, like, necessarily all Christian podcasts, but, like, writers, Christian and non-Christian, who are talking about the mechanics of writing. And, one, and the, this writer who, who has, like, book series that my daughter is reading that each book in the series is over a thousand pages. They're, like, massive novels, okay? And how he writes... He can't wait for the ending. Like every character, every, every conflict contributes to the ending. And like writers are like, just they can't wait for it to come. And when the ending happens, it's like, like a flower that blooms. It's like, oh, you know, like Little Mermaid. She comes out of her shell singing. You know, it's like they love the ending. And here in Romans, we're like not done with the book of the Bible yet. But here, this author gives us a little bit of a sneak peek at the ending so as to motivate and fuel us for missions, for how to live now. He's at the end. Let me tell you. Do you guys want to hear what happens? Do you? You want to talk about it? Good, because I would like to anyways. Okay. Okay. So how is this going to end? Is this a mystery that is just unknowable? No. No, no, no. Let's just read the next verse. So the next verse, starting in 26, talks about Jesus, his second return. Okay? We'll get into it in a little bit. It says that until he returns, that, that part of the mystery is that there's a hardening on Israel so that the fullness of the Gentiles must come in. That is, that there is a number set by God where the Gentiles, once they reach it, then they will come in. So God, it's like He's writing this novel. He's telling us the ending. And this is not like some science fiction novel. It's not, not some like fantasy, like He's just making it up. This is like historical future. He is writing about something that he has planned that will happen. Namely, that the Gentiles are at this chapter in his book where they're coming in. And then Israel has this partial hardening. Uh, this partial hardening uh, is reference, in reference to time but also a, the number of ethnic Jews, of ethnic Israel. So right now, if a Jew comes to Christ, it's just like if a Gentile comes to Christ. They place their faith and trust in Jesus. 
They get baptized, they join the church. Boom, just like we saw today, right? But the large percentage of people coming to Christ and joining the church right now, Paul is saying, is mostly Gentiles. Because there's a partial, not full, but partial hardening of Israel. And so we're in the day of the Gentiles. And if you notice, just, just to be Captain Obvious here, if you notice that the fullness of the Gentiles, it will stop when the, the hardening is lifted. So it's a period of time that has a beginning and an ending. And when all the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, then that hardening will be lifted. And it happens when Jesus comes back. This is what we call a task unfinished. We're talking about the fullness of the Gentiles coming in. It's not done yet. We're in the year 2021, and it's still happening. People are still coming to Christ. The large majority is Gentiles. And so we're calling it a task that is unfinished. So let me ask you a question. Um, uh, Projects around the house, okay? How many of you guys... Um, have done a painting project in the last couple of years. You've painted the walls or something, and you, I already see a couple of nods, and you go, I'm going to wait till tomorrow to do the corners and like the ceiling parts, okay? So you wait, you clean up all your brushes, you put them away, and then comes the time when you're like, you're eating, or you're like sitting down in your living room, and all you can do is stare at that wall that is unfinished. You're like, it's just that one corner, and I hate you. I hate it. I hate it. I can't stand it, right? And you feel this angst in your heart, like, I have got to finish this, but it keeps on getting put off, right? Right? Let me tell you about a task in my home, okay? Uh, This past week, I stained my favorite chairs. I actually would like to show you, because I'm so proud of it, okay? I'd like to show you. This is one of my favorite chairs in my house. I know. Yes. All right. So I, it's, it, I stain them about every three, four years when they need it. Okay. And this Adirondack chair, it, I just love this chair. Okay. And um, when I was staining it, I would like be, be, you know, working it with my brush. And then it's like, hey, it's lunchtime. And I'd be like, I'm hungry, but I want to finish it. And this is like oil stain, and so do I clean off my I just want to finish it. I'm going to seal it off. And Okay, coming in for lunch. All right, I'm sitting down with all my family. There's all this discussion. I've got four daughters and a sweet wife. We've got a lot of words in our home, okay? And we're talking a lot. What's going on in Dad's mind? Chairs, 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 chairs. I'm eating. What am I thinking about? Chairs, Okay. Right after lunch, do the dishes, throw away stuff, you know? Hey, Dad, you want to do that? Chairs, chairs, chairs. <laughs> it is a task that is unfinished in my home, okay? And so, like afternoon, boom, hey, put the kids to bed. I'm like reading quick. Hey, Dad, you skipped a page. I know I did. What am I thinking about? Chairs, chairs, <laughs> chairs. There's this like innate part of me that wants to finish the task. Put them to bed. Stay up late. 
chairs. I think you probably could guess like where I'm going with this. And that if there is a task unfinished spiritually, like if, if the news is shared that the fullness of the Gentiles has yet to reach its capacity, they've yet to all come in, then Christians should respond in that same angst. Like, oh, that's, there's a task unfinished. And it should occupy the mind of the Christian. We should be thinking about it. How? How could, I, how could we finish this task? How could we put our, our hands, our feet, our heart, our mind to labor so that this task would be accomplished? How can I take part in the labor that it would take to finish this? There's a partial hardening. That partial hardening will be lifted when this comes in. How can I get to work? That is called the Great Commission. That is our call to make disciples. Do you know anyone who is lost? Do you know any non-Christians who have yet to come to Christ? If you don't, you should. Right? You should like change some of your rhythms and patterns in your life to start rubbing shoulders with some people who don't know the Lord because they could be pre-Christian. <laughs> they could be the Gentiles that God has chosen to bring in. And you must share Christ with them. If you do know some non-believers, God has placed you strategically in their life so that the fullness of the Gentiles would come in. Just personally, just so you don't hear me preaching at you, this is something that I especially have to be intentional with as a pastor. Um, the calling on my life is to shepherd the flock of God among me. In general, that means to tend to believers of the church. And so the majority of my time is spent with Christians. And if I'm not careful, all I could do is spend time with Christians. And that's why I love being a pastor of a church that meets in the Y. I love it. I don't know if I've said that before, but like, you know, my wife and I, we will take classes. Why? Because we like being together, because we like, you know, playing and having, like, working out. But we love the fact that it aligns with our mission of the church to get around the lost. Like, when we're there, we're trying to meet people, remember names, and, and like, we're praying for them and, like, thinking about them after we're in the class. Like, we're, we're going to the Y, our kids were signing up for classes, and we're like, we're there. I office out of the Y, and I love it in that, like, just a few weeks ago, I had a knock on my door, and a non-Christian, like, came in and said, hey, I was wondering if you could pray for me. And I was like, this is amazing! What pastor gets a knock on the door from a non-Christian and asks for prayer? I love being a pastor of the church in the Y. It's so great! Why? Because I get to take part in the process of bringing in the fullness of the Gentiles. But let, let me just encourage you that this process won't happen by osmosis. God has already told us in his word in Romans 10, how does a person come to know the Lord? You heard it in each three of these testimonies. Let's just pick on Hale, though. Hale came to Christ because his pastor sat down with him at the kitchen table and said, have you ever received Christ? 
And that day, he did. Because faith comes through and hearing by the... That's right. And so, church of God, you must speak so that they may hear, so that they may become Christians. That is the process of how the Great Commission works, how a life is converted, changed, born again. And that happens through the church getting out of their comfort zone, some of their natural rhythms, so that they can meet people who don't know the Lord, so that the unfinished task may see progress. So, be encouraged. That you are the story that God is writing. We're right in the middle of it. These are exciting times. Christ has yet to return. And he is using his church to speak the gospel so that others might come to know him. But let's talk about when this will lift, though. I told you we would talk about it. So verse 26, okay? Look at, look at it with me. These are Old Testament verses, verse 26 and 27. You don't have to go to the Old Testament, so just hang in Romans 11 with me. But you do need to know that Paul, kind of like, uh, like a bouquet of flowers, he's, he's picking ones from this, this bouquet, and he's inserting them in Romans 11 for our understanding of what will happen one day. So, all of these, 26 and 27, they all come from a context where, where the salvation promised to Israel occurs after the nation has suffered because of their sin. So each one that he pulls from in that bouquet, it's a result of Israel in sin and suffering. Look at verse 26. A deliverer will come from Zion. All right, so in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, they would understand that to be Yahweh. That Yahweh will come from Zion. And in the New Testament, because all promises are filled in Jesus, we would most certainly understand that to be the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus will come from Zion. So this is a reference to His second coming. His first, obviously, was His birth. And when He comes... Look at that verse with me, that he will banish all ungodliness from Jacob. You see that? So from Jacob, that means Israel. And the ungodliness would mean that their resistance, their rejection from God, or we could say their unbelief in him, which is mentioned in verse 23. So Jesus, when he comes back, he will remove the unbelief from Israel. This will be a divine work of God that He will grant those whom He's chosen of ethnic Israel. He will grant them faith and they will repent and turn to Him. And again, during that time, the Gentiles will not have a chance to come in anymore because the fullness has already come in. Do you hear the urgency in that? So if you are a Gentile, if you have not yet believed, 
the clock is ticking. That's not a fear factor. That's just truth. You must believe. There's an urgency. Don't wait another minute. Look at verse 29 with me. It uses the word irrevocable. Do you see that in there? It is saying that God will do this. That he has written this story. His will will be accomplished. He'll come back. He'll lift the, the hardening. The Gentiles will come in. And his ways are irrevocable. Like you can buy stock in that. That is how it goes. Okay? All right. Now, let me just, let me just uh, pick you up and dust you off a little bit. Um, you might be going like, oh my word, I was not expecting all that like Jew and Gentile stuff. What is that like mumbo jumbo rigmarole like, you know, or some of you have seen um, the, Grinch's, the Grinch Stole Christmas where he goes, hooby wubby, right? Like what? Some of you, your faces are like. So let's, let's just summarize it. What is the hooby? The hubi would be that the Jews right now have a partial hardening. Hubi also is that the Gentiles are coming in. And then the wadi, what would be the wadi? That our job is to pursue the Gentiles. The task unfinished is the wadi. <laughs> And so then we, we got to ask, well, why? Why all of this? Like, what's happening? And why is it happening? Why has God chosen to do this? And I'm so thankful that God provides the answer in his word just in the next verses. So point number two is the mystery of God revealed. Verses 30 through 32. Take out your pen. I'd like you to circle in your Bibles Every time you see disobedient or disobedience, okay? So there's two in verse 30. There's one in verse 31. There's one in verse 32. Do you see it all in there? The disobedient, the disobedient, disobedience, disobedience. This is how we are described in our relationship to God before coming to Christ. Or we could say it like this. We, were, we are described as disobedient and an intervention is necessary. It's, something's got to happen because we love our disobedience and we're going to stay in it. Consigned. The word means to be shut in from all sides. It has the idea of being closely imprisoned. Like there's bars around you from all sides. How many of you know the name Richard Vermbrandt? Couple, okay. He's the guy who started the ministry, Voice of the Martyrs. And in the 60s, he was tortured for Christ, okay? You can look him up and watch a movie on him called Tortured for Christ on Amazon Prime this week, okay? Um, Richard Vermbrandt. He was put into this torture chamber. It was like a telephone booth made out of wood with nails and glass sticking in there. And they would, they would put him in there and he would have to stand for days. And if he leaned one way or the other, he would get stabbed with rusty nails or glass. And that's what it's saying. 
course that we were We were consigned to our disobedience. And we actually liked it. We were trapped. And guess what happened? God intervened. He, he sent His Son, Jesus, to pay for our sins and free us from our, 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 our vileness. And then when we receive Him, He indwells in us and makes us righteous. It's the message of the Scriptures, particularly though of Romans, that we're seeing again and again and again. But take out your pen again. Okay, so you circled all the disobedience. Now, like, put a square around the word mercy. We're answering the why here. Verse 30, but now have received mercy, 31, in order that by the mercy show to you that they may now receive, and put another box around this one, mercy. Why is he doing all of this? So that he would have mercy on all. It's the gospel. It's just so beautiful. That's not some universal statement where every single person receives the mercy of God. When Paul says all, it means all people groups, both Jews and Gentiles. That God will show mercy on all no distinctions anymore. Mercy can be defined as this, God's goodness towards those in misery and distress. You guys remember the woman caught in adultery? Remember how the story goes? Where the scribes and the Pharisees, they like, grab her, and they don't just put her in front of the crowd, but they put her in, in the midst of everyone. It was like she was, she was caught in or consigned. It was like she was imprisoned with her sin, and there was people all around. She couldn't hide her face because of her shame in any direction. She was exposed. And then intervention. And Jesus comes. He comes in the midst. You remember this story. He, he kneels down. He starts like drawing in the sand. Gets up and says, Hey, if there's anyone here that hasn't sinned, well, go ahead, pick up a rock and chuck it. And then they just slowly fizzle away. And then Jesus does something beautiful. He doesn't just say, I have mercy on you so that you would feel better about your sin. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, your sins are forgiven so that you don't have to carry a guilt. Although that's true, that's a part of the gospel riches. That if someone comes to Christ, that they don't have to carry their guilt of their sin anymore. They're free. They're like set out of, of that telephone booth of nails and glass. They don't have to live like that anymore. But Jesus does more than that. He speaks to her and he says, remember? That's right. Go. Jesus shows incredible mercy on her and commissions her to be a gospel witness in the world. That's mercy. 
Like, he's, he doesn't just say, ah, it'll be fine, and just like, you know, just try to, whatever, just don't screw up. He uses her, and he says, go and sin no more. Like, live a life, like, follow me, and I'll help you. That's our Jesus. Like, that is mercy. How in the world was Jesus able to show mercy? And then use her or use us to be a light of the world. Like, how in the world can that happen? If I could shoot straight with you, it's actually impossible. Like, it's, it's, it's unthinkable that that should even be possible. You can't, you can't like, take an adulterer. Or you can't mend it back together and have it be a better situation. I was thinking that maybe Jesus would just say, well, you're forgiven, but you're kind of trashy, and so I'm going to just put you in the trash can, and I'm going to leave you there, and I'll see you one day. But God, in while we were yet sinners, amen, that Christ died for us, and he paid the debt, that we owed. He set us free from the sin so that we could know Him. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the Father's right hand and He will come. And He does. We will be ready. And this is where it all comes together. Are you ready, church? The what and the why. Let me just leave you with those two things. And then we will celebrate uh, Jesus through the Lord's table together. Here's the what. The task unfinished. What is the task? To bring in the fullness of the Gentiles. So I shared with you about uh, staining my chairs, right? Did you think I was pretty good, like a project guy at home? You want to see what my garage looks like? That was Friday afternoon. Those are the stools of the chairs that are unfinished. Okay? What happened? Uh, yes, volleyball and uh, work and uh, track meets and just life. What happened, Mike? I finished the chairs. We sat on them, and I got comfortable. That's what happened. They became practically functional, and I could do without the stools. And so I didn't do them for like a week and a half. And they sat in my garage. We nicked them with our car door. You know, we were tracking in like paint, junk. And the task went unfinished because I got comfortable with what I defined as the fullness of the task. I think we can do that too as the church, can't we? When we get just a little bit comfortable, 
We're like, ah, I got enough friends. I don't need to reach out to any people, you know? Man, I, well, we're doing fine. We're making budget. We'll be fine. We get a little comfortable. And we, we become like Newman, where we just leave our stools unstained. And totally honest, I wrote this, and then I went outside and I stained them. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to share this with the church. I've got to finish it before Sunday. So I did. So they're all stained. They're all stained. Yeah. So how can we accomplish this task? It's by the power of the Spirit. We speak. And then faith comes through hearing. So you need to hear that today. And I'm so encouraged by the gathering. Like, we as a church, we're getting it. Like, I, I personally am challenged by your zeal for evangelism. Like, let me just list off a few things that, uh, that's just recently happening. Like, this week, I met with two men from Starbucks that presented to me a plan all the way to 2023 to reach out to the YMCA so that God could display his mercy to people. It's awesome. Like the women of the women's Bible study, the leaders or whatever, are coming over for lunch today and they're planning out the fall so that you women would grow in Christ deeper so that people out there would receive mercy from God. Not just so that it would be smarter or whatever, so that God would be able to display his mercy to others. They're coming over for chicken salad today. Caesar salad. There's a stirring in our church for discipleship. Like the language, like people are talking like, I need to be discipled. Like I want to grow. I need to be equipped more. People are talking like, hey, who you got for me, Mike? I'm ready to disciple. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready to make disciples of all nations. It's happening. This summer, 14 people are being trained in, in counseling so that they're equipped to help others. Why? Not just so that they would live a better life, so that they could receive mercy from God. Two years ago, we started praying every month. We chose a YMCA. We chose, so we chose 12 strategic global city YMCAs. We prayed and we got to know each one of them. And you can pray. This Tuesday, the elders are meeting. And we feel like God is like stirring. Like, Is there about four or five of them that have really come to the surface? That we could deliver with her partnerships? with mission trips, with church planting. Why? Because the fullness of the Gentiles has not come in yet. Like the labor is not done yet. We could go, ah, we got nice stained chairs. Why don't we just uh, let the stools stay? No! It's like, we've got work to do. Like, and in this particular church, the niche that God has given us is the zeal and the strategy of planting churches in the YMCA. To love and serve communities by loving and serving the YMCA. To meet those people who are in the Y. And elsewhere. But like that's the bullseye. Would you pray for us Tuesday morning at 6 a.m.? So the what is the task that is unfinished? And the why? Because God wants to share.
in humility, he uses us to get the message out so that he can display his mercy. Listen to this song. I love this song. Frail children of dust. You ever feel like that? And feeble as frail. In you do we trust, nor find you to fail. Your mercies, how tender, how firm to the end. Our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Let's celebrate the mercies of God through taking of the Lord's Supper. Zane, would you lead us?